Healing. It's one of the most misunderstood topics within Christianity, and it swings from being unused to being misused and even abused. Personally, I've tended to neglect this topic in the past. I've even avoided it. There have been so many scams done in the name of healing that I've shied away from even mentioning it for fear of being associated with some of those so-called faith healers. Now, to be sure, I'm not qualified to speak about any of the faith healers that you might see on TV. I've never met any of them. I don't know their hearts. I don't know their motives. And I can't speak of their relationship with Jesus. So I'm not here to judge them this morning, whether they're the real thing or if they're con men, because I just don't know. I do know that some of them come off as being pretty strange, but I also know that weirdness does not invalidate you for effective ministry. If it did, then I'd have no business being here this morning. And hey, don't laugh. Neither would you. So I can't speak intelligently about any of them specifically. I do suspect that some of them are sincere and some of them are scammers. But you'll have to ask God to give you the discernment to tell the difference. But we don't really have to talk about them this morning because we don't look to them for healing anyway. We look to Jesus. We look to that God of wonders we sang about earlier. He's the indescribable king. He's the most high God, the maker of all things. He put us together in the first place and he knows how to fix us. He has the power and the authority to do that. Back in July, Shara and I were attending Beulah Camp over in New Brunswick. That's our district's annual family camp in Brown's Flat on the other side of St. John. And many of you know about Beulah. You know that for 10 days every July, thousands of people descend on that campground along the St. John River for an intensive time of worship and preaching. And it really is an incredible time. And toward the end of the camp meeting this year, they reserved an evening for a healing service. And when the invitation was given for those who needed healing to come forward for prayer, hundreds of people responded. Later on that night, Shara and I were out walking, and I just said to her, you know, we've never done this. We've never had a healing service at sunrise, and there are people who need healing. And so here we are two months later, and we're going to take the rest of our time here this morning to talk about what healing is, and to actually pray for healing for those of you who would like that done. And I'd like to begin by giving you four facts about healing. Four facts about healing. The first is this. It is never God's will for his children to be ill. Never. Now, you may have heard otherwise. I mean, you may have heard people say, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but God never healed me. It must be his will that I'm sick. You may have heard people say that, but that's a mighty poor view of who God is. If he did half of the things he's accused of, he'd be guilty of child abuse. All good parents want their children to be well. That's true for us. That's true for God. It is never God's will for his children to be ill. Now, often when we pray for healing, we use the phrase, if it's your will. And on the surface, that can sound like a pretty good thing to pray. But the Bible makes it pretty clear that it is never God's will for his children to be ill. So there's no need to attach that phrase, if it's your will, to your prayers for healing. Certainly, Jesus never hinted that our Heavenly Father might want some of his children not to be will, well. Uh, quite the opposite. And so healing became an integral part of the ministry of Jesus. Here, look at this verse. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. 
So according to that verse, who is it that brings disease and loss and heartache and death? It's that thief. And who's the thief? It's Satan, the devil. Jesus, who is God, brings life. It is never God's will for his children to be ill. He's the giver of all good things. He restores us. He doesn't destroy us. It's never God's will for his children to be ill. Number two, Jesus can and does heal. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Just in your notes, underline in that verse the word every. Healing every disease and sickness. He healed every disease and sickness. And as you read through the first four books of the New Testament, as you read through the Gospels, you discover that Jesus healed the lame, the blind, the lepers, the epileptic. He even healed one of the soldiers who came to arrest him. Over and over again, we see examples of Jesus healing. And he really didn't seem to be selective about who he healed. It didn't matter what type of disease it was. It didn't matter what the geographical area was or the race of the person being healed or the technique that he used. He healed in Galilee, in Nazareth, in Jerusalem. He healed Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles. Some people he touched, some he spoke to, some he made mud packs for their eyes. Some he didn't even see, but he simply spoke the word from a distance and the healing happened. And these are not metaphors in your Bible. They're not allegories. These are actual events that took place. Jesus healed. In fact, right at the very beginning of his public ministry, he made it clear that healing was part of his mandate. Before anyone even knew who he was, we read in Luke chapter 4 that when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll containing the messages of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. Then he said, This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. So Jesus, right at that time, right early on in the book of Luke, he reveals who he is and what he came to do. And he came to do many things, but right there among that is healing. He came to heal, and he has the power and the authority to do so. The third fact is this. Authority and power to heal was assigned to Jesus' followers. He assigned that authority and power to his followers. In Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35 and going through the first verse of chapter 10, it says that Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. 
So did you notice what happened there? Jesus was traveling around. He was healing people. He was healing everyone he encountered. He was moved by his compassion for people to heal them. And he saw that there were so many people with so many problems and so many illnesses that it was time. It was time for him to assign the authority and power to heal to his disciples so that they could partner with him and so that the healing ministry could be multiplied. But it didn't just stop with his disciples. After the day of Pentecost, it became apparent that the Holy Spirit continues to enable believers to heal people using the authority of Jesus, even today. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 8, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another he gives a gift of special knowledge. The Spirit gives special faith to another. And to someone else he gives the power to heal the sick. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and he goes on from there. But notice that the Holy Spirit is distributing the authority to heal to people, to believers, even today. Now, does that mean that every believer has that spiritual gift? Well, Paul answered that for himself a few verses later. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30, he wrote, Does everyone have the gift of healing? Of course not. So, no, not everyone has the gift of healing. But I do believe that we all have the responsibility to pray for healing. And I believe that healing can happen even if you don't have the specific gift of healing. I mean, Paul also identifies encouragement as being a spiritual gift in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Now, does that mean that people who don't have that gift shouldn't encourage others? Of course not. But it does mean that some people will be more effective and will do it more often and better than others. Same with praying for healing. Some people may see greater results, and they should be actively seeking opportunities to use that gift that they have. But that doesn't mean that the rest of us shouldn't pray as well. Notice that when James writes about healing, he doesn't even mention it as a gift. In James chapter 5, he writes, Are any of them among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer, offered in faith, will heal the sick. So yes, Jesus has the ability to heal, and he has assigned that ability to his followers, including us today. And there are all kinds of modern-day accounts of miraculous healings taking place. Even here at sunrise, you may recall that Hannah, before she was, she was born, and for several months afterwards, had all kinds of health issues with her, her heartbeat and with respiratory problems. She even had an episode the night before we dedicated her here during our worship celebration. But when we dedicated her, we all joined together in prayer and prayed for her health. And she hasn't had an episode like that since. Isn't that a coincidence? We prayed for healing, and it happened. You know, Jesus still heals people today through the ministry of his followers. The fourth fact is this. Healing may be instantaneous, delayed, or progressive. Healing may be instantaneous, it might be delayed, or it may be progressive. Most of the healings that Jesus performed were instantaneous. And when we pray for healing, that's really what we're hoping for and praying for, isn't it? But the truth is, sometimes a healing may be delayed. In Mark chapter 5, we see this. Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man, and he commanded the evil spirits to come out of the man. But the demons began negotiating with Jesus, and the deal was brokered that Jesus would send them to a, send the demons uh, to a nearby herd of pigs, about 2,000 pigs. Uh, so Jesus did that. The demons entered the, the pigs, and 
All the pigs stampeded over a steep cliff and fell into the water below where they drowned. You've heard of the Bay of Pigs? That was the real Bay of Pigs. Also the first mention of deviled ham. But notice that once Jesus commanded the spirits to leave the man, there was a delay there. The demons stayed in the man while they negotiated the deal. So there was a delay. And healing can be progressive. In John chapter 4, there's the account of a government official coming to Jesus and asking him to heal his son, who was very sick and about to die. But Jesus didn't even go with him. He simply told the man, go home and your son will live. So the man left and he started home. And look what happened in John chapter 4, verses 51 and 52. It says that while he was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to feel better. Did you see that? He asked when the boy had begun to feel better. He wasn't immediately at 100%, but he was getting better. When Jesus proclaimed that he would be okay, the boy turned the corner and began to get better. I have no idea how long it actually took for a full recovery, but I do know that the recovery began when Jesus said that he would be better. Or how about in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus healed a blind man in two stages? You know, we like healing to be instantaneous, and sometimes it is, but sometimes it's also a process, or sometimes it's delayed. And the truth is, sometimes the healing never happens. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, Paul told, told Timothy to drink some wine as a medication for his stomach problems, which were probably stress-related. But why wasn't he out-and-out out healed? Or how about Trophimus? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we discover that this associate of Paul's had to be left behind on one occasion because he was sick, probably from exhaustion. But couldn't God have simply restored his strength? So the question is, why isn't everyone healed? And this is where it gets a little bit dangerous. Because when a person's not healed, it's easy to cast the blame on someone or to start throwing around accusations. We're looking for a reason why the healing didn't happen. But the truth is, sometimes we just don't know. There is no reason that's apparent to us. So we're left with a big old question mark for an answer. That doesn't mean that there's no reason, it just means that we don't know what that reason is. Okay? So you should never use a lack of healing as a basis for judging someone or accusing them. Where you need to look is not at someone else, but you need to look within. If you're the one that's sick, is there something in your life that's blocking the healing from happening? If you're the one who's praying for the person who's sick, is there something in your life that's preventing your prayers from being answered? James Garlow is a Wesleyan pastor who wrote a book called God Still Heals. It's a great book and I have my copy with me today. If any of you wants to take a look at it, you, you can pick this up yourself uh, at the Christian bookstore or online. And in this book he writes this. He writes, Because we live in a fallen world, there are many cases in which we simply do not know why a person is not healed. Therefore, we should be extremely hesitant to identify blockages to healing in the lives of others. Yet understanding and removing blockages can be a key to experiencing divine healing in our own lives. Okay? That's what James Garlow wrote in his book. So get your pens ready. Because in that book, Garlow went on to identify 18 blockages to divine healing. 
and that's probably not a complete list. There could be more, but these are just 18 things that he identified which may prevent a prayer for healing from being answered. So 18 blockages to divine healing. The first is this, a lack of prayer for healing. A lack of prayer for healing. This is kind of an obvious one. If you want a healing to take place, then pray for it. Secondly, a lack of persistence in prayer. In other words, giving up too quickly. Remember that sometimes a healing can be delayed. And the Bible does talk about having persistence, perseverance, when it comes to prayer. Next is a lack of knowledge about how to pray for healing. Next is a, a lack of faith on the part of the sick person. Let's just rest here for a moment. Right at the beginning of this message, I talked about the great variety in the healings Jesus performed. Different diseases, races, genders, locations, methods. The only common denominator seems to be faith. Healing requires faith. But, catch this, faith does not guarantee healing. Did you get it? Let me say it again. Healing requires faith, but faith does not guarantee healing. A lack of healing cannot always be blamed on a lack of faith. That's only one possibility among many. And besides, you don't even need a great deal of faith. You just need to have a little faith. When Jesus was talking with his disciples about healing, he told them that even the faith the size of a mustard seed would be powerful enough to move mountains. So you don't need to have great faith. You just need to act on the faith that you do have. Okay, so another blockage to divine healing may be a lack of faith on the part of those praying for the sick. You know, it could be the lack of faith on the part of the sick person or it could be a lack of faith on the part of those praying for the sick. The faith of the healer is just as important, if not more important, than the faith of the healee. Another blockage could be sin in the life of the sick person. You would understand how that could be a blockage, or another blockage could be sin in the life of those praying for the sick. Or, how about a lack of understanding about spiritual authority? When we pray for healing, we don't rely on our own authority because we don't have any authority of our own. We pray using the authority of Jesus. We pray in His name. That's why we say that, in your name we pray, or in Jesus' name we pray. It's in His authority. And that's the authority that he's given to all Christians, even to those who don't feel like they have that authority. That authority is available. So when you don't feel like you have the authority to pray for healing, remind yourself that Jesus has given you that authority and do it. Another blockage could be a lack of exercising sp that spiritual authority. A lack of exercising spiritual authority. You've been given the authority, now use it. Or it could be a lack of knowing the word knowing what the Bible says about healing, or a lack of speaking the word. That's the next one, a lack of speaking the word. Or a lack of fasting. Sometimes fasting is necessary for healing to take place. Or another blockage could be a lack of faithful participation in worship, personal devotions, or the Lord's Supper. Garlow wrote in his book that there is a connection between our spiritual vitality and our ability to pray effectively for healing. You can't neglect your own spiritual life and expect healing to take place through you. Another blockage could be living an unhealthy lifestyle. You can't live an unhealthy lifestyle and expect to be healthy. 
or not seeing what the Father is doing. Garlow wrote in his book that our job is not to heal everyone, it's to see what the Father is doing and join Him in it. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't want everyone to be well, but it does mean that we need to trust Him and trust His timing. We join with God in His healing. We join Him in what He's doing, but we don't tell Him what to do. We don't direct His healing. We join Him in what He's already doing or what He's wanting to do. Uh, Another blockage is an inability to identify the need for inner healing. One of the things that Jesus often did before he would heal, heal someone of their illness was he'd tell them, your sins are forgiven. He'd address the need for an inner spiritual healing before he dealt with the physical healing. That inner healing is much more important anyway. Or perhaps there's some kind of emotional pain that needs to be healed first. That kind of an inner healing. The inner healing must come first. Another blockage could be the inability to identify familial spirits. Now there's an interesting term, familial spirits. This would be kind of a curse that's passed down through the generations. We don't normally think about things like that here in Western society. We tend to focus on individual responsibility. But there is a corporate responsibility too. And we can inherit some forms of spiritual bondage. The Old Testament talks about blessings and curses that can be passed down through the generations. You can check that out for yourself in Exodus 34 or Numbers 14 or Deuteronomy chapter 7. Another blockage would be the inability to identify demonic activity. And that's the 18th blockage, the inability to identify demonic activity. Again, it's something that we tend to overlook in our society. We might even look at a belief in demons as being superstitious. But Jesus regarded demons to be very real. He acknowledged that there is a spiritual world that exists alongside this physical world. And these two worlds do interact. Now, the danger in this is looking for a demon under every rock. We don't want to go to that extreme. But demons do exist, and they do cause problems for us even today. They can oppress, and they can afflict, and in a worst-case scenario, they can even possess. And so sometimes a prayer for deliverance is necessary. Okay? So those are several reasons why healing might not occur. And sometimes healing may not occur, and we'll never know why. There's no explanation that's available to us. That's when you need to keep trusting in God's wisdom and in His mercy. In Isaiah chapter 57, it says that the righteous pass away. The godly often die before their time. And no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. For the godly who die will rest in peace. So understand, God never causes death. Death is brought on by the enemy and is the result of living in a broken, fallen world. It was never part of God's plan. But God does allow death. The Bible teaches that everyone will die at some point, and will enter into eternity. And for the righteous, that's a good thing. We don't necessarily look forward to death, but we look forward to what's beyond death. Because that's where our healing will be full and will be complete. In fact, if our healing was always full and complete here, then we would never enter into that stage. Okay, so there are a myriad of reasons why healing may not take place. 
But I do believe that God wants to heal much more than we give him credit for. And I believe that we miss out on his blessings. And sometimes people do die unnecessarily because we neglect to pray for healing. I believe God heals and I believe there are people here this morning who need healing. Perhaps you need some physical healing or perhaps some spiritual healing or sexual healing. Perhaps you need some emotional healing in your life. Or perhaps you need some healing and deliverance from some sort of addiction or affliction. And if that's you, then we want to pray for you here this morning. In fact, let me show you this, these verses again from James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Now, I want you to notice in these verses that the person who is sick is the one who asks for prayer. If you need healing, then you need to acknowledge it. You need to ask for it. So if you need prayer, then I'm going to ask you in, a, in a, just a moment to step to the side of the room here. I've asked a couple of people here, the people who head up our prayer ministry here at Sunrise, to meet you there. Just follow uh, just following what it says in these verses here, they have a couple of vials of oil. Now, oil has no special powers in itself. But in the Bible, oil is often used to symbolize the presence of God. And so they're going to anoint you with the oil by putting a little bit on their finger and placing it on your forehead. You can talk with them confidentially about what you want prayer for, and they'll pray for you. And I'll be praying for you too. Okay, so that's what we're going to do in just a minute. But I want to give you a few moments of silence first. Perhaps you need to review this list of blockages and reflect on your own life. Is there anything you need to take care of between you and God before we pray for healing? So just take a few moments now and then we'll enter into this time of praying for healing. <laughs> 